this works out right, I've only got one more message in this book. So I think Stephanie just give me a dirty look. <laughs> you got there's no way. There's more words than that. But anyway. Verse eleven. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Father, may we grasp this and understand with awe what is being said. Help us, Lord. Help us to realize this. Help us, each of us, to make sure that we put things in order that we already possess. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. You are truly an awesome God, and blessed be your name. In Christ and Christ alone. Amen. All right. Verse 11 was the completion. Okay. The completion of what he says there in verse 11 is be made complete. Okay. It's not that you're missing anything. I try to tell people and, and, and I understand why it's difficult for us to grasp, but you are as holy right now as you're ever going to be. Okay. That's the reason you have permission by yourself to go speak to God in his throne room. You are clothed in Christ's righteousness. Well, how holy was Christ? All right. So when he says it is finished, he doesn't mean it's getting close to being finished. He says it is finished. So it is complete. All right. It's one of these things. And don't worry if you've done it. Okay. I'm not trying to bust on you or anything like that. But I hear people pray for peace. Lord, give me peace. You've already got it. You don't have to ask him for it. Now, you may need to put it in order, but you've already got it. If you have peace with God, then you have the peace of God. Now, you may forget it sometimes, but that's what I try to get people to understand. Is that part of the big problem in the church today is people don't really understand what they already possess. And that's why you see the gimmicks. That's why we buy the gimmicks. All right, because, well, I I just feel like something's lacking. I mean, did you, let me ask you a question. How do the first millennia of the church get by without biblical counseling? And now every church has to have counseling. What do you think I do every Sunday? I'm trying to tell you what you already have. All right. And but we'll go. I need professional. Will you guys pay me? I just don't bill your insurance. Okay, so these are the things that I want you to think about, because we already have this. And then he gives a list of it. I want you to be comforted. Well, what do you mean be comforted? It's just what it says. Be exhorted. Why? It's already there. I don't care what's going on in your life. You have the comfort of him who set the foundations of the earth, who separated the seas by landmass, who flung the stars into heaven, whose span of his hand is creation. And the waters fit in the hollow of his hand, who measured the dust granularly. What is it you think you've got going wrong? 
And yet, we continue to follow into it. Part of it is you just slide back into your fleshly operations. And all of a sudden, God's going to say, well, let me give you a little road rash. And then you'll be all right in a minute. And that's how it works. And after that, be like-minded. Be of the same thinking. You know, I got into trouble this years ago. I spoke at our state convention. It was so weird. I followed a guy who had had was using ballet to share the gospel. And he was expressing a message on how ballet and, and, and I was what in the world? So I was so thankful that that ain't how God got me because I hate ballet. That's the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. But uh, if you like ballet, that's fine. Okay, I'm not condemning you. It's just that I went to once one in Chicago and I thought, I am glad I didn't pay for these tickets. Uh, but anyway, I went next. Okay, I taught out of Ephesians. Blood of innocent man is not on my hands. I have not forsaken the full counsel of God. So my message was a little different. Okay, now they haven't asked me to come back. Go figure. But you know what? I made a statement during my message that there are not multiple interpretations of Scripture. There's multiple applications, but not interpretations. But the problem is we don't read it. You know, the guy says something. Well, that sounds right. He sounds like he knew what he was doing. He was convinced. You know, if the guy's swinging his arms around, he's got to be enthusiastic about it, so he must be convinced. So I'll go with it. All right, that's one of the things. When I first started teaching in Russia years ago, the guys who were very enthusiastic must be preachers. And then as I began teaching, they realized they weren't. Enthusiasm is not what you get behind the pulpit. All right? Students of the Word is what you want behind the pulpit. That's how we become like-minded. Once we are like-minded, then guess what? We live in peace. Why? I can rejoice. I am complete. I am comforted. And I am like-minded. All right? It's that simple. Why? And then the God of love and peace will be with you all. Okay, so that's completion. Now, what we're looking at is a picture of sanctification. What does it look like? Remember, this is the fourth letter that was written to the Corinthian church. We only have two. All right. But there was four that we know of that are spoken of in Scripture that Paul wrote. All right. So now that we got that all squared away. All right. Twelve and thirteen deals with something that is amazing to me. When you think about this church and how this church broke this man's heart, he made a surprise trip to the church in Corinth and the false teachers got up and falsely accused him publicly in the congregation. And no one in the church defended him. I cannot think a church that you planted and no one would defend you. How heartbreaking that had to have been. But look at what he says. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I've had people ask me. Actually, I had it in one of my Russian classes. Uh, I wasn't teaching Russian. I was teaching Russians. All right. Guy says, Russia has this. You just got to really be careful. Uh, I've seen it a lot in Europe. But they have a, a, a greeting for the brethren of, of the church 
where they want to kiss you. Okay? Now, the old guys who came out of communism, socialism, okay, <laughs> you really got to be on your toes with them. Okay? Because the young guys will just kiss you on the cheek. Okay? The old guys won't. <laughs> if you don't move your head, you're going to get a shock. <laughs> okay? But they, it is a sign of gratitude. And it's, it still freaks you out, though. You're like, oh, gee, <laughs> I'm glad you're grateful. You could have just said thank you. In the ancient Near East, it is a very common greeting. And it has been. And what was amazing is it goes back a ways. All right. Second Samuel, chapter 15, verse five. And when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Okay. In chapter 20 of Second Samuel, Joab said to Asma, it is well with you, my brother. And Joab took Asman by the beard and his right hand to kiss him. Okay, so now that goes back a few years. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 48, Judas told the guards, Jesus is the one whom I will kiss. Luke chapter 7, verse 45. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time... See, okay, he's going to the house of the bad people, the debtors, okay? When he got there, he makes this statement, Jesus does. You gave me no kiss, but since I, the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Okay, she was adoring him. Okay, like I said, usually it was, you know how we shake hands in the West? That's what a kiss was. Uh, I guess we do fist bumps now, and I'm not sure what that's all about. But but everybody wants to hear, I'll slap you. No, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but we shake hands. You see this. I saw this a lot in Azerbaijan. I saw it in in uh, in Russia uh, at the place and even even in Israel. When I was in Israel, you'd see people greeting each other who knew each other with a kiss. All right. Normally, it's between members of the same sex. OK, I want you to think about this for a second, though. You know, I mean, even this morning, a number of us were shaking hands, maybe patting each other on the back or something to this occasion. That's ain't what this is. You need to understand something. In the early church, that first century church, they were odd man out. Everybody hated them. And I'm not talking about disliked them. They hated them. You need to understand that. We get, we are tolerated right now. But you watch, it's changing. It's changing, you know, because I heard a, a complaint about Ted Cruz and, and the comment that was given why he should get out was he's he's too Christian. 
And I was like, what? And they said, yeah, he starts every one of his little, whatever he'd have these meetings with prayer. And he would do it publicly. And, and, and he's, he's not ashamed of his faith, but that's too Christian. It's too Christian. The mayor of our town is being recalled. You know why? They say it's because of the growth. But it's really kind of funny because the plan for growth that you see in Castle Rock right now was planned in 1992. Okay? They're just doing the plan. Alright? But he's the one who had the Castle Rock Day of Prayer. He's the one who brought the invocation into the town. They're mad at him because he does what he says. And it drives some people nuts. Okay? That's when Christians better start drawing together. They start coming together in affection because the world's coming after you. And I've never understood that. I've seen Christians who prefer to spend most of their time with the lost. That makes me nervous. Okay? I would rather be with Christians or be left alone. And maybe not in that order. All right? In the church, this is specifically important because the kiss is an expression of brotherly love. And it is done for mutual affection. Listen, you guys can... You can tolerate me all you want, but you got to understand something. You only have to spend eternity with me. So you better get used to it. All right? And this mutual affection is shared with church members. With church members. I've seen this when I was in Moscow. You would see Christians, they would meet on the streets and they would kiss. And you knew they were Christians because they were smiling. The rest of the Russians just looked mad or frown or whatever. They, and I asked them several times about it. And he said, well, people are smiling, must be up to something. <laughs> I was like, exactly. Okay. This is done and it's spoken of a lot. Romans chapter 16, verse 16. Paul had never been to that church, had never been to the church in Rome. And yet he says, I greet you with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16, 20, when he concludes that letter, I greet you with a holy kiss. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 26, I greet you with a holy kiss. Okay, listen, I, I want you to get it in your mind that this greet with a holy kiss is more than just a social custom. It's not, you know, shaking your hand or giving you a high five or a fist bump or whatever. That's not what this is. It is a sign of mutual fellowship. It's a sign that says you and I are one to the glory of Christ. Remember what he says? Live in peace. Why? Because I want you to rejoice. Why? Because look at all these people that are with you. You know what is awesome about this? As I have studied history, the history of the church, 90% of the original church, I'm talking in that first, before the fall of the temple. Okay, The, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. 
So you, you look at Jesus' crucifixion was somewhere around 35 to 40 A.D. So you've got about 30 years. All right. The bulk of the congregations were slaves. And then all of a sudden you start seeing their owners getting saved. So this holy kiss would be among people of different social backgrounds. It would be among people. Now think about this. The Jews didn't think you could touch a Gentile. Okay, I was in Israel on the Sabbath one time. And <laughs> I was just off of this Temple Mound. And in case you don't know, if you look at me, I kind of look like a Gentile, don't I? And I don't look real Jewish anyway. And, and so I'm walking through. Now, nobody works. And I mean, they, some of the crankier spots where the Orthodox are, if you drive a cab through there, they throw stones at you because you're working. And I thought, well, I bet it's hard to get a cab ride out of that neighborhood. But I would walk and everybody's out walking. Because they're not taking cabs, they're not taking the bus, they're not allowed to drive, and so they're obeying the Sabbath, they're not, it's a day of rest, and I ain't doing it, so they're out walking. But, and so the sidewalks are full, and so here I come, I come walking through there, and it's like parting the Red Sea. Because they didn't dare touch a Gentile on the Sabbath. The thing is, is that at the New Testament, now you've got, where did the church start? What race of people? The Jews. And that's why Peter struggled in uh, Acts chapter 10. He has that vision. And God shows him all the food and says, give thanks. Now go to Joppa and meet with a, a Gentile. Do you know how abstract that was? You want me to what? I want you to greet a Gentile as an eternal brother. But I can't do that. Well, yeah, you can. I have a friend who passes a church in upstate New York. <laughs> He's a hoot. It's a fairly good sized church. It's a, it's more the conservative area. And, uh, in their church document, there's church, uh, whatever they call that thing, statement of faith. Okay. It says, now you gotta remember this church was founded probably late 1700s. All right. And in the church document, all right, it says, Negroes and whites will have separate worship services. They shall not worship together. And it's in their church founding documents. All right. Which is really cool because he's black. And I, and I said, well, who gives the white man message? He says, I do because they don't read it. But anyway. And I said, well, why don't you change that? He says, he says, are you kidding? He says, how much more humor do you need? And I was like, all right. Jerome, whatever you're into, bud. But, uh, but, but see, that's, the thing is, is that we are one in Christ. So it doesn't matter what my nationality is. It doesn't matter what my gender is. It doesn't matter what my race is. And it doesn't matter what my social background is. And you can express that by giving them a holy kiss. Okay, now I want you to think about something because people get... When you understand that you're joining in together in a new family. All right. You have this new family that is in Christ because people say, well, what's a holy kiss? It's easy. It's the opposite of an unholy kiss. That's not that complicated. 
Well, what? Just hang in there. The word holy means what? Set apart. You know what that means? It's not like the world. It's not like the world. It removes any suggestion of impurity. All right? I mean, but yet, you know, people get... Now, we're in the West, and I understand it. Okay? But you know what? I've I've had some of the uh, babuskas come and kiss me in Russia. And you know what? I thought, you know what? They'll get over this because they're usually frumpy, very elderly grandmothers as a babuska. And you can be kissed by a grandmother. Okay? You don't want... But you won't get it from the non-married women in the church. Okay, so these are the things and you can spot it in Russia. If you're single, they wear a head covering. Okay, if they're not single, if they're married, then they take the head covering off because now their husband is their covering. All right. And they just read it. That's what it says. That's what we'll do. And they don't sit there and say, well, why? Well, because it says so. All right. But see, we have the West. Well, also try this one in the United States. No dating. If you want to go meet a boy, you have to meet the boy at church. And if you want to go anywhere outside of the church walls with that boy, you have to take a married couple with you. Try that. Sure, Opie. (laughs) You think the church is big now. (laughs) Try that one out. As normal, though, with the church, this practice of greeting with a holy kiss became liturgy. Okay? It's something that we're supposed to do. You're in church now, greet each other with a holy kiss. All right? You know why we have a time of greeting each other? It comes from this. Greet each other with the love of Christ. And it originally started in the church. You had a time where you would go around and kiss everybody or a number of people. It depends on how big your church is. All right. But as normal, it became liturgy. This is what we're supposed to do. That's why we do it. All right. Stand and greet each other with the love of Christ. Why? Well, because we're one body. We're one family. Let's greet each other and act like we like each other, even if we don't. Okay, and I've been in churches like that. I've attended churches. You can just see some miserable people walking around because they had to. And think about it. How many times you go to a big church and they tell you to put a name badge on so everybody will know you're the visitor? And I ain't putting that on there. I don't want nobody to know I'm a visitor. I don't want to stand up. I'm going to sit in the back. Why? What if somebody wants to shake my hand? What if they want to kiss you? So what happens, man in his infinite silliness um, loses the true meaning of what it means to greet each other with a holy kiss. It's just like uh, the foot washing service. Okay, nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to do that. But liturgy is taking it over and says, well, we have to have a foot washing service every quarter. Where does that say that? That's why I know churches right now that have uh, the Lord's table every Sunday. I don't do that. You know why? It'll become liturgy. And it becomes something you just go, well, let's, I'll get ready to take a cracker and a, you know, a little cup of juice. 
And you start losing what the point of it is. The greeting of the holy kiss was to show this mutual affection and fellowship of the person of Christ. That's what it was for. And that's why Paul says it. First John says, if you do not love the brethren, the love of God is not in you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a problem. Because it says that when I get saved, that God pours his love into my heart by the Holy Spirit. And if I don't love the brethren, then the love of Christ ain't in me. If the love of Christ ain't in me, guess what? You're not saved. All right? In John's Gospel, chapter 13, 34 and 35, 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Okay? And listen, you can show affection. Do we not understand that? Now, I've gotten in trouble. It's funny because if, if you've got a, an old, frumpy old woman and I hug her, nobody cares. If you get a, a young, attractive woman and you hug her, what are you doing? Getting ready for a holy kiss. What are you doing? <laughs> but do you see, see what I, what do people do? That's the silliest thing I've ever seen. Well, I, I can't believe you hugged that woman. I can't believe she hugged me. <laughs> Go for her. Here's the key to this. If you don't know them, don't do it. And perhaps that should be enough conviction to you that you get to know some of these people. So that you are comfortable. That you are, they know you're there to love them through thick and thin. That's one of the issues. Remember. Uh, we're in the wedding season. I'm starting to get the calls now. Oh, can I use your building to get married in? I'd get married outside if I was you. Why? Because you could get rained on. And you'll see if your love is true. But I'm starting to get it. And, and inevitably, when you get ready to get a, at a wedding, uh, people want to hear what? There's a text that every person who gets married, they want to hear it. What is it? 1 Corinthians 13. And you know what's amazing about that text? has nothing to do with marriage. Nothing. But you know what it does have to do with? How believers react to one another. Let's read this and see what it says. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with tongues of men and angels and I do not have love... I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. 
is not provoked. It does not take into account wrongs suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If I'm walking in that verbiage, how can you not show it? Listen, love is a verb, people. If you have a spouse and you look at them and you say, I love you, now go fix me something. I'm thinking you missed the action. All right. It don't make sense to me. If you say you love somebody, it should be evident to everybody around you. Because I watch people who love their puppies more than they do their spouses. Sometimes it's reasonable, but not normally. It depends on how cute the puppy is. But, but you see what I'm trying to get at? You greet somebody with a holy kiss. What are you saying? I'm showing my affection to you. Why? Because love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know what the word kind means in the original? It's level. It's level. There's nothing rippling on it. It's like a flat sea. If you go look at the word when Jesus told the storm to stop, the same word that he translates kind here is the same one. It became flat. There's no tribulation in it. That's the way love is. It's patience. Why? Because it's flat. It ain't got any ripples in it. It is not jealous. It is not jealous. I have seen this uh, so many times when people are so worried about themselves... And they become envious that, well, you talked too much to that person and you didn't speak enough to that person or you didn't shake that person's hand. Or, you know, I was downtown. I had a family leave the church one time because they were down walking down on Perry Street and I drove by and I didn't wave at them. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't see them. I'm usually looking in front of me, not on the sidewalk. If I'm looking on the sidewalk, I probably run off the road. So then I'll say hi as you bounce off the hood. This is difficult, brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm trying to tell you there needs to be an affection among the saints of God. That's how the world will know you are his. Because they love one another. Go to a church. Do they love one another? I have been out at Grace Community Church. One service has 8,000 people. Okay. All right. And they usually have two or three services on Sunday. All right. And you know what? You go in there because you understand that you are like-minded, because you are rejoicing that you are there. Because they got some rock and roll music. I mean, good stuff. But anyway, they've got that. You've got that going. You are comforted. And you know what? You feel loved. I mean, people will knock themselves over. And you, you just look around in this massive auditorium and they're all greeting each other. And it's like they know each other. And I had them come up to me and talk to me. And I'm like, you know, I show up here once a year. 
And I don't even come at Christmas. But you see what I'm trying to get at you? I have been in congregations. I was in Bellevue Baptist Church back when Adrian Rogers was a pastor there. That thing dwarfs MacArthur's. I couldn't even begin to tell you how many people. I had to set up in this balcony on a Wednesday night. And Adrian was about that tall. But they have this great big thing like a drive-in movie screen behind you that you can see him. So you see what's going on. Because this little guy's standing up there going, boy, he's got a deep voice for being so short. But uh, everybody there is friendly. And it's mixed race. It's mixed race. Not as mixed as MacArthur's is, but MacArthur's in Los Angeles. You get all kind of strange things going on there. But you could feel the love. The affection was visible. The love was in action. It was a verb. You witness it. People want to use chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians for their wedding when it's actually talking about the body of Christ. Remember, this church is blowed up. Read the first six chapters of 1 Corinthians. What an awful mess. And he says, you guys got to get back to the basic. What was Jesus' condemning of the church in Ephesus? If they got liturgical. Are you a Calvinist? Do you believe in infant baptism? And that's all they're talking about. Oh, I'm just testing you. Well, why don't you love them? Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus love you after you got saved or before you got saved? When I was yet a sinner. Okay? So now all of a sudden we gotta, I gotta give you a test. And then I will come and love you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And yet, how many fall into that snare? Think about this church for a second. This thing was a mess. I mean, it was a mess. Getting drunk at the Lord's table. That's cool. All right. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to get at? This should be, if you want to look at it truthfully, take 1 Corinthians 13. It should be on every level. And it involves sacrificial service and ministry to one another. You ministering to one another. I read a definition of it, and I can't remember who said it. Compassionate meeting of needs. Compassionate meeting of needs. That's amazing. This brotherly love also involves affection. That is what the holy kiss is. Let me show what I love, how I love. Peter, 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 14. Give a kiss of love. Give a kiss of love. Listen, uh, church history tells us there's a guy, uh, first century. A lot of people believe that he was discipled by the apostle John. His name is Eubius. And um, he spoke of this holy kiss. And he says, the 
most of the time that he saw it was at the Lord's table where repentant sinners would be visibly restored to the fellowship with a physical embrace and a holy kiss. Can you imagine coming to repentance at the Lord's table? I know a guy got saved in Jesus' tomb. You know, I, I've been in Jesus' tomb, and that's I, kind of a dingy hole, actually, but uh, they burnt candles and incense in it for centuries, and it's kind of the pits. But, you know, I went down in there, and they cut the slab off where the body would lay, and they got it laid outside, and you can pay some money and kiss it. And that, that just grossed me out. Like, you know me, that thousand pairs of lips have been on that sucker. <laughs> I ain't kissing that. I don't care if he did lay there. That's, ugh. you end up with hoof and mouth disease or something. Listen, Paul wanted these Corinthians who have been shattered by conflict, by division, by sin. Display their affections openly. Why? It's the healing process. Paul understood it would aid in breaking down the barriers. Do you understand what happens in a congregation when part of them decides to follow a false teacher and they don't follow the true man of God that God had brought to their congregation and now it's been exposed? Now the church sees it. Now the church wants restoration. But now you've got these people. Why did you follow that false dude? Where's the affection? Where's the love? The Apostle Paul knew that this church had been at war. And the church needed to come back together. The only way that's going to happen is going to be through the love of Christ. The only way that's manifested is visible. It's a verb. Love is a verb. It's an action. I would rather people live out love than sit around and tell me about it. I'm doing this for you because I love you. Well, I don't want it then. I don't even like you. Give me a break. Do you see, see how shallow it is? It doesn't brag. It just does. Paul understood that this had, this war, this wound had to be healed and the only way it was going to happen is through love and that love was going to be seen and shown. Now listen, Paul, most people believe that the writing of 2 Corinthians, that Paul was in Macedonia, okay, he wasn't allowed to go back to Thessalonica because they wanted to kill him. And they had, and, and he kept getting the, the rabbis saved and they were furious with him. All right. So most people believe that he was in Macedonia, but he was probably in Philippi when he wrote this letter. And so he makes this statement. All the saints greet you. All the saints greet you. So when Paul wrote this, he wanted to greet them. Remember, he did make the third trip because he wrote the letter to Rome from Corinth. Okay. He's sending the love, their love of all the saints, wherever he's at, to who? The Corinthian believers. Probably in... Philippi, he's sending brotherly love, he's sending brotherly affection then 
from the saints where he's at to the saints who are in Corinth. Do you see what just happened? He took it outside of the congregation. He took it outside of the congregation. Listen, this affection that is part of our sanctification is not confined to the members of the same congregation. It is to be shared by all believers. That's why I can walk into a church with 8,000 people in it and feel like I'm one. Or I can go to Bellevue and that's... I thought it was a mall, but it's got a big steeple on one end and you're like, what the heck is that? And it's, it's a church that owns Eastern Memphis. So it's, it's a monster. And it's got this big white steeple. I was like, I wonder why they put a steeple on a mall. But you go there and, um, it's all one. It's all one. Brothers and sisters, he says, all the saints greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Show your affection. Show your affection. And you show it to all of the saints. Show it to all of the saints. Okay? Listen, they don't have to be doctrinally elbow deep or whatever you believe is necessary. If they're a believer and they act like a believer, then guess what? They're a believer. Greet them as a believer. If they're not a believer, hey, you'll find out soon enough. You'll find out soon enough. I have a guy that comes and visits us, well, usually every Sunday. And he's not a believer. And I've told him he's not a believer. And so when he first approached me, he was very cordial. And he was very, you know, um, Christianese speaking. Okay. As I've gotten to know him and listen to him, all of a sudden, there's a lot of profanity. Large amounts of profanity. And all I know is that out of the mouth speaks to the heart. And as he got comfortable with me, then he can... He doesn't have to guard his mouth anymore. Okay? Which tells me, yeah, you know, I mean, the guy has been attending a church for 20 years and had no idea that Christians were resurrected. Okay? He believes, he's been taught that it is by his good deeds God will save him. Okay? But you... Just a couple of times with him, he started getting comfortable. Listen, when I re- greet, greet people, I don't tell people I'm a pastor. Okay? I, I, you know, people ask me, what do you do? I said, I'm here to torment and afflict people. What are you doing? It's, it's what it says in Acts 20. That's what Paul was doing, torment and afflicting people. Stirring up the people. And that's what I do. I stir up the people and afflict. Okay? And that messes with them. They're like, what, what does that mean? Hang around me, you'll find out. All right? And the reason is, is that if you tell somebody you're a pastor, guess what? They shift to spiritual. You can see it. Okay? I want to see how you are. 
So that's why I don't tell anybody. All right? I mean, I had a guy on that airplane the other day, and he says, well, what do you do? And I t- told you, <laughs> I stir up and afflict people. He goes, what? I said, yeah, stir up and afflict people. And he kept kind of pressing it, and I said, I'm a pastor. And he says, you've got a Harley t-shirt on. How can you be a pastor? And Jesus walked around in a dress. You want me to wear one of those? All right, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. You each need to evaluate yourself and ask yourself a simple question. Do I possess brotherly love? And if you come up with a yes, then I'm going to ask you the second part of the question. Anybody see it? Are you a stealthy brotherly love? Paul wanted this church healed, and he knew that by them publicly showing affection, it would heal faster. Because this church had been at war. This church was hurting. And each and every one of us need to think about this really hard. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Corinthian church and your restoration. Lord, uh, you're awesome. Father, I thank you for the Apostle Paul and how in just these small verses you um, summarize the, the whole intent of this letter. And that, Father, that the Corinthians, we know, had responded in chapter 7 to restore the relationship with its founder and the man who loved these people tremendously. Father, as we understand your love for us, which surpasses knowledge, Father, May we love one another as you love us. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.